Welcome to New City Sermon Podcast. Join us as we open God's Word to be empowered and challenged today. The series that we're in is entitled Kingdom Manifesto, the Beatitudes, and it is a manifesto because Jesus is telling us how things work in his kingdom. Now, as we read through these Beatitudes, we'll quickly see this. This isn't how the world works. Uh, The world doesn't work this way, but Jesus works this way. Jesus lives this way. He rules this way. And it often feels upside down as we go through these beautiful attitudes of Jesus's kingdom citizens. As we look at these things, they will feel upside down to the way the world works. They will feel like backwards is forwards, but they are Jesus's normal. They are Jesus's normal. They are the way things work in his life and in his kingdom. To give you an illustration, I heard about a bike race in India. And in this bike race, you would line up with other people right at the starting line, and then the whistle would blow. And like any other bike race, if you were to accelerate and pedal as fast as you can to get to the finish line, and you happen to turn around and notice in your peripheral vision that there was no one else there, and you crossed the finish line first, you would have lost you would have not just lost, but come in last place. Because in this particular bike race, the goal is not to cross the finish line first. The goal of this bike race is to stay on your bike without touching the ground and go the shortest distance possible. You're to balance on your bike, pedaling as slowly as you can without using your feet to balance. The winner is not the person who crosses the finish line first, but rather the person who goes the shortest distance without falling over or without using their feet for balance. That's the way that race works. And it's an illustration of how Jesus' kingdom works. We often become Christians and we think that as we walk with Jesus, that it works the way the cultures of this world work. But it's often backwards. It doesn't work the way that we normally think. In fact, everything in Jesus' kingdom is really a paradox. Ray Ortland says, in Jesus' kingdom, last is first. Giving is receiving. Dying is living. Losing is finding. The least is the greatest. The poor is rich. Weakness is strength. Serving is ruling, and the meek are the ones who survive. Rather than survival of the fittest, it is survival of the meekest in Jesus' kingdom, which brings us to Matthew 5, verse 5, our third beatitude. If you can put that on the screen, it simply says this, Blessed are the meek, the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. What does meek mean? Well, it rhymes with weak, and it sounds like weakness, so we tend to think that meekness is weakness, but it's not. Meekness is not weakness, nor is it just being nice, nor is it being spineless. Meekness is not shy or having a timid personality. In fact, in Jesus' kingdom, meekness really isn't about your personality, but it's rather about your spiritual character that the Holy Spirit is working in you. In fact, you can be timid and not be godly because you keep silent when you need to speak up on behalf of someone else. So, 
meekness is not weakness, then what is it? What is it? Well, meekness starts with this, a humility before God. You know the famous verse, Micah 6, 8, says that what has God required of us but to love justice and mercy and to walk humbly with God, to walk humbly with God. The problem is in our culture, we've often lost what it means to even be humble. We have started to think that humility has to do with being humbled by our successes rather than even being humbled by our failures before each other and before God. Karina Kochana wrote in the New York Times in an article called Calling Yourself Humble Doesn't Sound as Humble as It Used to Be. She wrote this, a soap opera actress on tour is humbled by the outpouring of love from fans. Comedians are humbled by big laughs. Yoga practitioners are humbled by achieving difficult poses. Athletes are humbled by good days on the field. Christmas volunteers are humbled by their own generosity and holiday spirit. And yet none of these people sound very humbled at all. On the contrary, they all seem exceedingly proud of themselves hashtagging their humility to advertise their own status, success, generosity, moral superiority, and luck. When did humility get so vainglorious? Uh, in our culture right now, humility is succeeding at something and then being humbled by it. But in the kingdom of God, humility comes from really failing. Failing before God, failing to live up to his standards, which then shows us our great need for God, our great need for his forgiveness, and our great need for his grace, and our great need to love us before we love him. That's what we talked about in week one when, he said, when Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The poor in spirit are the people who are truly humbled because they realize they don't have anything to offer God. But then as they see their own sin, they mourn. Remember in week two, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Not they might be comforted, they will be comforted by God. As we see our own sin, it humbles us. It actually saddens us. But God comforts us in that. That's really where the humility of Jesus' kingdom comes from, not from our successes that humble us, but rather our failures. So meekness has to do with humility, a real humility. But what else is it? Is it different than humility? In one of the translations, it says, blessed are the humble. In our translation that we use today, it says, blessed are the meek. Well, meekness is the opposite of pride. You cannot be prideful and meek at the same time. Uh, it's different than selfish ambition. It's, it's not full of envy. It's not demanding. It's not self-promoting. Uh, a study was done in, about music in our culture, and they looked at the music of the top 100 songs from uh, Billboard magazine in 1990, 2000, and 2010. And what they found every decade the music from the musicians got more self-promoting. It got more vainglorious. They talked about themselves more and more and more every decade. Compared with earlier years, songs in 2010 were more likely to include the singer referring to them by name, general self-promotion, bragging about wealth, their partner's appearance, or their sexual prowess. 
A similar, albeit non-significant, increase was also seen for bragging about how good they were at doing their music and demands for respect. Uh, that's not meekness. We know that. We know that, right? Like talking about how great you are is pretty normal in our culture. But that's opposite of the meekness of Jesus' kingdom. Meekness really comes from being poor in spirit and mourning over our sin and thinking less of ourselves. Not, not that we're not created in the image of God and worthy of dignity and respect. We talk about that a lot. We're all created in the image of God and we're worthy of dignity and respect, yet there's something in us that knows I'm broken. I've messed up a lot. I don't really have anything to offer God unless he moves towards me. In fact, I don't know why God would move towards me. I, in fact, when I think about myself in comparison to others, man, I have messed up a lot in life and I really don't have any reason to judge anybody else. That, that's kind of where meekness comes from. D.M. Lloyd-Jones was a great Welsh preacher and he put it this way, if you can put the slide up. To be meek means that you have finished with yourself altogether. When a man truly sees himself, he knows nobody can say anything about him that is too bad. In other words, they know the brokenness in themselves. The man who is truly meek is the one who amazed that God and man can think of him as well as they do and treat him as well as they do. Now, that's not to say that we're a pushover. It's not to say that we're okay with people trampling all over us. But we just don't think as much about ourselves and we are less prideful and we're meek. In 2016, my wife and I went to this conference in Philadelphia that focused on racial issues and racial reconciliation in the church. And at the very beginning of the conference, we sat in the front row, my wife and I, and this elderly black man came and sat down right next to my wife and uh, just very tenderly leaned in, began talking to my wife, and they found out they had a common connection because she grew up in, in Memphis, right near the border of Mississippi, and he was from Mississippi, and her dad had grown up in Mississippi, and so he just, this elderly man just really took an interest in my wife, and they sort of became friends right there. And after that part of the conference was over, I leaned into my wife and I said, do you know who that is? She said, no, I have no idea. And I said, that, that's John Perkins. That is the grandfather of racial reconciliation in the Christian church in America. This church would not be here if John Perkins had not done what he had done. Uh, this conference that we were at would not have happened if John Perkins had not done what he had done. The man had endured literal torture uh, from racists while trying to preach the gospel in the South. He had worked to develop communities and invest in the poor, and he had written book after book after book about people empowered by the gospel could reach out across racial lines and how they could help the poor. And here he was talking to my wife, and he didn't seem to think he was that big of a deal. He didn't seem to think he was that big of a deal. But it wasn't that he was a pushover, right? There, there was a lot of strength there that he had lived out in his life. But it was a gentle strength. It wasn't a self-promoting strength. It was a, it was a strength that allowed him to sit down right next to my wife, who had no idea what he, who he was, and take an interest in her. 
become friends. John Perkins has been described like that by other people. If you can put the next quote up. A guy named Paul Lewis Metzger was driving uh, Mr. Perkins around to a benefit dinner and just kind of asked John, he said, what's your life like in Mississippi? I mean, you've done so much there for racial reconciliation. You're kind of famous down there. Uh, What's life like for you? And as is typical of John Perkins, he responded in kind of a meek way. He said, in Mississippi, it seems that every time the state newspapers write something about reconciliation, they quote me. It's as if I created the word. But when I think about how many homes my fame has built for the poor in Mississippi, I realize that my fame hasn't built any homes for the poor. Do you sense the humility? Do you sense the gentleness? Do you sense at the same time that strength? That is meekness. That is meekness. It's strength under control. It is a humbled power. It is strength that has self-control. The great philosopher Aristotle described meekness this way. He said, the one who is truly meek is the one who becomes angry on the right grounds, against the right person, in the right manner, at the right moment, and for the right length of time and not a moment more. We hope you're inspired by God's word. What have you learned so far? As you listen, pray about applying it to your life. Let's continue in God's word. Gentle strength, strength under control that we see most personified by Jesus. If you look in the book of Isaiah, the prophecies that talk about Jesus coming in Isaiah 42 say, this is my servant. I strengthen him, speaking about Jesus, the Messiah. This is my chosen one. I delight in him. I have put my spirit on him. Now now think about this broad mission. He will bring justice to the nations. Wow, what a strong character. But he will not cry out or shout or make his voice heard in the streets. He will not break a bruised reed. And he will not put out a smoldering wick, but he will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow weak or be discouraged until he has established justice on earth. The coasts and the islands will wait for the instructions. Here is this image of Jesus coming who's going to set all things right in the entire world. He is going to rule and reign over all things. Yet, if there is someone so broken, that their life could be compared to a smoldering wick on the candle. He will be so gentle with them that he won't put the fire out. Humble strength in Jesus. And he exerts that humble strength, that meekness, even when he says, come, follow me. Boldly, he tells us, come, follow me. Make me your Lord. And yet listen to how he says it. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That idea of a yoke would be if an older animal knew how to plow the fields and they had to train a younger animal how to plow the fields, they would yoke that younger animal 
to the older animal, and they would have to walk together. Now, you can imagine if you got an older animal in your training that really didn't care about you and just jerked you around. But Jesus is saying, as I train you to follow me, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Come find rest. I am meek and lowly. I am king. I am Lord. Follow me as my disciples, yet I'm completely gentle. And we see that throughout Jesus' ministry. He was absolutely approachable by anybody. He was long-suffering with those who didn't get it right away. He, he was never overbearing, but used strength precisely. In fact, that is his whole ministry. In Philippians 2, verses 3 through 7, Paul tells us to do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. And here's why. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. In, in other words, Jesus was meek. He was king, but he came and became man so that he could die on the cross as a criminal. Not coming here to receive glory, but to serve you and me. That is meekness. And Paul is telling us that we should adopt that same attitude that Jesus Christ had. That we ourselves, who have a, a Lord that is meek, should be meek as well. Well, how, how do you know if you're meek? And how do you grow if you've got room to grow in being meek? Well, are, are you harsh with people rather than gentle? That includes, being, that includes online. That includes social media. Are you harsh with people rather than gentle? Do you feel this compulsion to let people know how strong you are and prove it when they try and disprove you? Do you operate under an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth? Do you push others around to get what's yours? Only you can answer that for yourself, but those characteristics are not meekness. Author Matt Norman talks about his journey in understanding what it means to be meek, and he said he began to, to accept his own limitations and the limitations of others as he began to understand what meekness was. He began to defer to other people listening to their preference, and letting them choose when it came to a decision. Maybe they might know more. Maybe they might know better. I'm going to hear them out. He also said that becoming more meek allowed him to accept life's circumstances as they were when he couldn't change them. And even to do what's needed when no one else would volunteer to do it. Just like Jesus. To do what's needed when no one else will do it. Years ago, there was a Christian college that had accepted an international exchange student. Now, when I went to college, there was a lot of international exchange students on campus, but this was a time before that was commonplace. 
there really wasn't that many international exchange students. And, and this student was coming from Africa to go to college at this particular Christian college. And the president of the university was so honored that this man would come from this uh, other continent to, uh, to go through the, the program that he met the student. The, the African man was a young man named Sam. And the president met him and just wanted to honor him and thank him for, for coming to school at their university. And he showed them all around. He showed them all the athletic fields and all the, the benefits that the students had and just trying to impress him and honor him. And then he said, now we need to get to the place uh, where you choose where you live. We'll, we'll let you choose where you live on campus. And without hesitating, Sam from Africa said, if there is a room that no one else wants, give me that room. If there's a room that no one else wants, I'll take it. Well, the president was stunned. He had never heard a student say that before. And in fact, the president said he would never hear a student say that again. It was so shocking to hear these words of meekness come out of the mouth of Sam that the president of this college began to cry. He was so taken aback by Sam's request because in Sam's request, he saw the meekness of Jesus. And you can only really embrace meekness if you trust God. If you trust God. Because we're so, we're so tempted to trust in the narratives of our culture. What does our culture tell us? Blessed are the demanding, for they get what they want. Blessed are the movers and shakers, for they push their way to the top. Now, that's not to say shaking things up every once in a while is a, is a bad thing. But yet, hear what Jesus says. Matthew 5.5, 5, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Maybe you feel a little conviction like I do that we all need to grow in meekness. How do you grow? Well, the Beatitudes build on each other. In other words, the poor in spirit comes first. Next comes blessed are those who mourn. And then the third is blessed are the meek. We are to rehearse those. If you want to grow in meekness, recognize your poverty of spirit before the Lord. Recognize that you have nothing to offer God, and yet he moves towards you in love through Jesus Christ. Recognize that your sin deserves his wrath and anger, Yet when you trust Jesus, you are comforted with forgiveness. And as you rehearse those things in your mind and heart, you will grow in becoming meek. But there's also a sense of trust that we actually have to look at the second half of this verse to see what he says. Blessed are the meek, for they might, no, they shall inherit the earth. They will inherit the earth. The earth is theirs. One of the reasons that we're afraid to actually be meek is because the world works in terms of power and position and possessions. The more power you have, the more you get done. The more positions you can climb, the more influence you have. Uh, the, the more, the more, the more, then the more that you result in getting. But Jesus is saying, no, 
Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who are meek before God, for the earth is theirs. What is he talking about? Well, in Jesus' teaching, his teaching is that the kingdom of heaven is invading earth through him and his ministry. And that one day, one final day, a heavenly city will descend from the clouds and Jesus himself will return and he will make all things new. In a new city, right? That's the name of our church. He will bring life where there is death. He will bring happiness where there is sadness. He will bring justice where there is evil. And as we said last week, everything sad will come untrue. But the final destination for the Christian is not heaven, but rather this earth. As heaven descends and Jesus transforms this earth so that heaven and earth are rejoined in a new heaven, in a new earth, and everything is restored and everything is the way as it should be. See, Paul says in Romans 8, if we suffer with him, we will also reign with him. In other words, power and possession and positions, anything the world offers you is a farce. One day you and I will rule and reign with Jesus Christ in a new creation where there is no brokenness, there is no sin, there is no pain. Everything works as it's supposed to. You are completely healed internally. There is no conflict in the world. And the glory of God shines on you and over everything. And that dwelling place is yours. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. In fact, we are given so much position and possession and power when Christ returns that Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6 that we'll actually participate with Jesus in judging the world. Like Jesus invites us with him to be part of the judgment process. What? Any power and possession Possessions and positions that the world offer you it fails in comparison to what happens when Jesus returns. So set your hope on that. Listen, Jesus doesn't tell us, blessed are the meek because they'll never have any troubles. He doesn't tell us, blessed are the meek because they'll never get pushed around. Uh, he also doesn't tell us, that we have to get pushed around, but he does say this, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Set your mind and your hearts on those things because the values of Jesus' kingdom are upside down. Uh, backwards is forward. Everything is a paradox. But as N.T. Wright says, the life of heaven, the life of the realm where God is already king is to become the life of this world, transforming the present earth into the place of beauty and delight that God always attended, intended. And those who follow Jesus are to begin to live by this rule here and now. These beatitudes are a summons to live in the present in the way that will make sense in God's promised future. Because the future has arrived in Jesus. It may seem upside down, but we are called to believe 
with great daring that it is in fact the right way up. Try and see it, people of God. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Thank you for listening to New City Sermon Podcast. For more information, check us out at www.newcityhh.com. We'll see you next week.